Well, let's uh, make a start. Let's dive in. And uh, a warm welcome to you if you've joined us uh, as we've been worshiping the Lord. I, I felt like I needed to kind of start with this uh, before I kind of dive into what we have prepared this morning. I just felt during the worship like uh, God wanted to say something really, really simple to a number of us this morning. The kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is God's rule and reign here on earth. It's like heaven's ways, heaven's power, heaven's reality present in the here and now, here on earth. And uh, God doesn't call us to build the kingdom, but he does call us to advance the kingdom. And in so doing, um, we are called, those of us who claim to be Christians, we are called to, to go and to into the world, into the dark places, into that, and bring his light. We are called the, the, the light of the world. The, the light of the world lives in us and through us. But as we seek to live the kind of life that God has invited us into, as we do that, we are still reminded that whilst the kingdom has come, it hasn't come in all its fullness. And that really means that today we come to church with struggles. Today we come... Um, with things that we're wrestling in with our lives. We come today and our bodies are not well. There is something array. We come to church this morning and we know someone, a loved one, who is uh, facing all kinds of difficulties. And as we were worshipping this morning, and I don't know if, uh, if it was Serge's choice as he's been before the Father and he sought which songs to sing uh, this morning, but as he was leading this morning, I really felt the presence of God and I really felt God just say this, is stand firm. That's it. Stand firm. And I will fight for you. And so all the nodding heads, that's for you. And even if you're not nodding your head, you don't need to. It's just affirming, isn't it? So in that place, stand firm. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. Uh, don't start choosing other things because it's gotten a bit tough. Stand firm. He'll fight. He'll do that. And then we continue to advance again. Okay? That was that one. That's probably going to be better than what I'm going to say now. But anyway, uh, you join us. We're week three, Encounters with Jesus. Um, we're following uh, a lot of the lines from a fantastic book by a, a writer, an author, a a theologian called Tim Keller, so I credit uh, most of the good stuff to him. Um, and uh, really, it's in line with a phrase that we use. We say, whenever Jesus shows up, everything changes. And again, we've said time and time again that whenever we encounter the presence of Jesus in our lives, he has the power to change everything. And those of us, we've been around the block for a while, we can testify in moments when he's just shown up and it's like, my goodness, what seemed impossible is possible with him. Um, <clears throat> so we're looking at real-life encounters that Jesus had with individuals. And uh, this morning we want to look at Mary and Martha, two sisters. They have a brother called Lazarus. And we're going to look at the story there this morning. We're not looking at the story when uh, Martha was busy in the kitchen getting all hot and bothered about stuff. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet and Martha got a bit of a raw end of the deal in that story. And we kind of think, oh, Martha, you're such a 
Mary, she's the one. We are gonna, we're not looking at that story, but we are looking at the story uh, when Lazarus, their brother, has died. A little bit of context before we read the text. Um, Lazarus is known uh, as someone whom Jesus loved. And whilst Lazarus, Martha and Mary were brothers, brother and sisters together, they weren't necessarily disciples of Jesus. They were known as close friends of Jesus. And he would have uh, met with them, would have had a good companionship with them. Um, Mary is also the lady who once previously poured perfume on Jesus and wiped them with his feet. They had this intimate um, wonderful close relationship between them. Lazarus is sick and so the sisters send word to Jesus. They get word. I don't know how they did that. They didn't send an email or a text message or anything like that but somehow they communicate, go get the Lord. The Lord, the one who you love, Lazarus, is sick. And when Jesus hears this, he waits two more days and then tells his disciples, we're going to go. So he hears he's sick, he's in bad, dire straits, but he waits. He chooses deliberately to wait two more days, and then he says to his disciples, um, by supernatural knowledge, we assume that Lazarus is already dead in that time, but he says, I'm going to wake him up. He knows what he's going to do. So we're going to read the text. Uh, we're at John eleven seventeen. I'm hoping the words are going to be on the screen. I've got some helpers this morning. So if you're meant to be reading some words, would you come and help me? Come and stand with me. And the reason I'm kind of doing this um, is simply so that we understand who's saying what. Because I could just read through a load of words and, um, and then we could get it all kind of. So we've got a few people. My goodness, look at them all. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, that's fair enough. That's great. Okay. But you can stay where you are. That's super. Okay. My goodness me, I didn't realize there were so many in the text. And I'm the narrator. <laughs> Do you know, it's so funny. I remember at school, you remember the, doing it in the primary school, you did the plays, and, was, and you'd always have a really good reader was going to be the narrator, you know, the real nerdy one, the really intelligent one. <laughs> I, I was never going to be the narrator. So I just feel so esteemed this morning, I'm the narrator. I've gotten better. Um, here we go. Where are we? That's okay, dear. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. She replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. She said. And is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, 
supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. It was going so well. Come and see, Lord. They replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Thank you. Would you give everyone a round of applause? They were there. They were there. I hope that helped because there's lots of people in the text and you can rattle through it, can't you? And, uh, and I hope it kind of, it sets the scene, it shows who was in it. And uh, the first thing that we notice is that Martha goes out from their home in Bethany out towards Jesus. She goes out meeting him because she knows Jesus en route and so she decides to leave and actually go. What does Mary do? She stays at home. It's so um, reminiscent, isn't it, of the other passage that we know so, so well. And yet I think Martha displays great courage and great faith, actually, in the text and what she says. Um, She says, first of all, to Jesus, and actually both Martha and Mary use the same line, nearly word for word. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Both sisters, they've been mourning, we presume, for four days. He's been in the tomb for four days now, dead. Like, not nearly dead, not just still dead. Dead, dead. Not alive, dead. In the tomb for four days. And they've been mourning. And they've been joined by other people. Other Jews have traveled to be with them and to mourn uh, the loss of their brother Lazarus. And you can imagine during that time, as sisters would, together, just standing together and crying together. If only he'd been there, if only Jesus would have come sooner, then this would not have happened. We know that this would not have happened had Jesus been here. And you can imagine the conversations that were going on between the two of them. And word for word, they both communicate, both Martha in her encounter with Jesus and Mary with her encounter with Jesus. They use the same line, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And yet Jesus' interaction with both Mary and Martha, the conversation and his reaction to them is completely different. And that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at the way that he encounters and the way that he converses with Martha to begin with and then with Mary. Because what it does is it displays two things about Jesus. First of all, he is fully God. Jesus is fully God, and we see that displayed through the interaction, through the conversation that he has with Martha. We also see that Jesus is fully man, and we see that by Jesus' response uh, to Mary. With Martha, he expresses his divine nature through words, that he indeed is the Messiah, but with Mary, he expresses his human nature, not in the words but through his actions of sorrowful tears. Let's look at Martha for a wee while. She says the line, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. But she goes on to say these words, but I know that even now, God, 
will give you whatever you ask. This is busy old Martha who gets a raw deal in the previous story. She is displaying great courage and great faith and great truth in Jesus saying, but even now, God, even now, Jesus, I still know that God will give you whatever you ask. And I believe that you can do the most incredible things even now. The conversation continues. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. She says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And in this moment and in this counter, Jesus is reassuring her. He's going to rise. He's going to live. It's going to be okay. He declares those words to her. But also, he declares to her his divine nature, who he really is. He says this, I'm the resurrection and the life. And it's one of seven phrases that Jesus, or John records that Jesus spoke about himself, about his divine nature. We also read in John's gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the vine. Seven times, seven I am's that John records in his gospel, words that Jesus declared about himself, saying, I am divine. There is something about it. I am equal to God the Father. I have come in human form to you. And I declare to you, I am who I am. And therefore, I have the power and the ability to do the most incredible thing for you today, Martha. Do you believe me? He says to her. Do you actually get what I'm saying here? You've come with your regret that I wasn't here on time. But I have come to declare to you, I've come to show you what is possible. Do you believe that? So to Martha, Jesus responds appropriately to her, to her needs. In that moment, he responds and he gives her what she needs. First of all, his presence. He is present with her. Truth spoken about himself and who he was, that he's fully God and reassurance of what he can do. To Martha, he gives the ministry of truth through his words. But to Mary, he gives what we could call the ministry of tears through his tears. He comes to Mary and he's met and he has a conversation with her and his encounter is different. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he says, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus sees Mary weeping. He sees the other Jews weeping. And he's deeply moved and troubled. Where is he? Jesus wept. He responds appropriately to Mary, showing that he's fully human. 
He responds appropriately to Martha in declaring that he is fully God, but to Mary, the encounter, to a sister, to a loved one who's experienced the same thing, the loss of their brother. He responds, he responds differently to her, declaring that he is fully man. He's so uh, caught in the emotion of what's happening that he begins to weep also. Those of you who know me, you'll know that um, I can be slightly emotional from time to time. And uh, those of you who know me, of course. And um, I, I, I kind of get a little bit emotional sometimes when I watch things on TV. Now, I know that most of you fine folks, you know, you're, you're into TV and you've, you've probably got you know, I hear people talking about the box sets and all the rest, and you talk about, I've got no idea what you're talking about, and the Sky, Sky Package, or people talk about these things called Fire Sticks and Netflix and all these kind. I've got no idea what you're talking about. And even though I go, oh, no, it's so easy. All you've got to do is buy it off the shelf, and you plug it in the back of TV. I'm like, I'm lost at that moment. I'm a free view man. <laughs> and you don't get much good on free view. But two programs that I like watching, and they're, they're kind of favorites of mine, this is after the island of Bear Grylls, by the way, is uh, Long Lost Family, if ever you've seen it. Some of you are like, yeah, and some of you are like, you saddo. And it's where, it's, if you've never watched it, it's where um, uh, people who have had loved ones and uh, they've never met them or maybe they were given up for adoption as a tiny wee thing and it's, it's sometimes decades later when they're reunited and they find each other and they're reunited and honestly the last 10 or 15 minutes of Long Lost Family like I, if I'm on my own watching it I'm good because I, I feel free to just blub away but if Chantel's in the room or Lobertide, one of our kids, are in the room, like I position myself on the sofa and I kind of almost do this. Because it's really hard, and even for the shoulders that kind of do that as well. So that's one. The other one, which honestly, if you never watch, you've got to watch. It's a life changer. DIY SOS The Big Build. <laughs> what are you laughing for? I cannot believe you're laughing at that. Well, it is brilliant. Nick Knowles and the team, honestly, honestly, <laughs> Hope loves it, doesn't she? <laughs> Hope is watching it with me. I've got a companion. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, there's a pound. It's all for you. Um, so, so I'm watching it, and the same thing. It's the last 15 minutes, and they come in, they show over seven days, and all these people, they've given up their time. They're tradesmen, they're hard, burly blokes who are used to talking foul language and reading the Sun newspaper. That's a real bad indictment on workmen, isn't it? <laughs> That's such a generalization. I'm so sorry. That's bad. So, so all these guys, but they're usually, they're usually like, well, oh, I'm a guy and all this, but they're in tears too. It's the bit at the end. Those of you who've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who are not, you think I've lost the plot. At the end, when the, when the family come out and there's like a hundred or so people that have given up their time, I am just in pieces. Why am I saying all this nonsense? You can't help but be caught up in the emotion, I can't anyway, of the emotion of the situation of what's happening. It's so, uh, in those instances, so good. I've been to funerals. I've 
taken funerals when I don't know the person that well. But when I see the emotion of the loved ones and how they respond to their loss, I am choked up and I have to somehow hold it together. You can't help but be emotional and shed tears in that way. And I think it's important that we see from this story that that's Jesus' human emotion in that time. It's important that we know that whatever season we're in, he stands with us. He stands with us during the loss of a loved one to the friend who's battling with cancer, to the one who's lost their job, the parent who sees their child making destructive choices, to the one who's struggling to pay for food, and the list goes on and on. Jesus responds appropriately. He stands with you, holding you, and weeping alongside you. And being spiritually and emotionally mature as we're striving to be, it's important that whenever we encounter and we interact with one another, that we try to respond appropriately. Jesus knew the moment. He knew how to respond to Martha, and he knew how to respond to Mary. And there are times when we go in with all the words under the sun, when actually the person only requires us to stand with them and hold them. And there are times, aren't there, when actually we need to speak up, and we need to speak the truth, and we need to say that. But we need to know when is the right time and what situation But Jesus in these encounters knows exactly the right thing to do. Jesus, who is fully God, is fully man. It's the paradox. Several paradoxes. He's the lion and he's the lamb. He's approachable to those who are weak and broken and yet fearless to the corrupt and powerful. He's tender but tough. He's in the world but not of it. But we're not going to end the story there this morning. We continue the story. Jesus, once more, deeply moved. Come back to that in a moment. Came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The first part of this, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. There's a verse in here that contains a Greek word which literally means to bellow with anger. And so the English that we read there doesn't really do it justice. Deeply moved doesn't really convey what's really going on. Because the Greek, the translation of the Greek word means to bellow with anger. You guys have a much more appropriate translation. He's raging. (laughs) As best as I can do. 
Is it all right? Oh, thanks. <laughs> so, he, so he was. Oh, so he is. He, he's raging, so he is. Sorry, so, so he is, so he was. God, was, that's too, that's right. It's got to be wrong. Anyway, he's literally bellowing the rage. He's deeply moved, does not do it justice. Why? Why is it? It's to do with death. Death was never part of the plan. It was never part of God's original intention and plan. And he's raging with sin and suffering and death. And he doesn't draw alongside the sisters and say, death is a natural part of life. Get over it. Get used to it. In this moment, he is livid. He's raging with what has happened. The suffering that has been caused. And at the end of John, we also read this. Many of the Jews had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees. They told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. Remember us talking about that last week, Nicodemus, who was a part of the Sanhedrin? They go tell them what Jesus had done. And here's the man who's performing many signs. We skip forwards to verse 53. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Jesus knew that his actions were going to get him in bother. He knew that by raising Lazarus to life again was going to get him in trouble with the Pharisees. And yet he chose to do it. And in effect, what's actually happening is by giving Lazarus real life again, he's actually signing his own death warrant. He knows that he's going to get into trouble for doing these things and yet still chooses to do it. Isn't that a picture of everything that Jesus did for us? It's through his death he offers us life. We have life today because of his choice to die for us. Last thing, we are coming into land, is this. I love it that Jesus involves the people at this most incredible moment. You can imagine, sometimes when we read the Bible, we're like, oh yeah, that's nice. Oh yeah, I've read that story, I knew that story. In fact, I did that one in Rockets, or the equivalent, when, if ever we went to that. It's like, come out. You can imagine the crowd. You can imagine the smell when they took the stone away. And this dead man literally walks out and he's bandaged up and they're all over his face. You can imagine the crowd. Imagine being there at that moment, how you would have responded, how you would have been in that moment. Jesus says to them, we don't know who, whether it was Mary or Martha, We don't know if it was his disciples who were there with him. Could have been the crowds. But he says to them, whoever them were, take off the grave clothes and let him go. He invites other people to be a part of the miracle. He invites them to literally go and take off of the dead man who's now walking alive. Take that off him. And Jesus invites us and calls us to go and do likewise. To go where there's death. To go where there's sickness. 
to go where there's suffering, to go where there's people who are walking with shame and guilt and all kinds of stuff and say, let me introduce you to a person who is the resurrection and the life, the one who has the power to heal, to raise, and to change. And in so doing, I'm going to remove those clothes that you've been wearing, those garments that you have been wearing, which do not define who you really are. It's just what you think you are. I'm going to take that off of you. I'm going to give you a garment of praise, sonship, daughtership. And, he's, and we are called, this is part of the advancing of the kingdom stuff, we are called to go do that stuff, to speak those words of life, to transform lives and transform communities. And that's what I love about Jesus' training. He invites us to go do it and to go and do the things that Jesus did.